here with Playmaker Podcast, Ashley Nicole Moss. Thank Hi. you so much for hopping on. Like, it, it's sick that you're here right now. Like, Thank we're super you. excited for this podcast. Everyone at Playmaker is super excited for this podcast. First question, you've been in this industry for quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to get down to it. What <laughs> 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 you say is like, maybe one of the rudest or three of the people that you caught at a bad time pro-athletes that you met so far? You know, I've gotten really lucky. Um, and I know like not everybody's lucky with that because right. sometimes you do catch people like and they're having a bad day and things like that. I've been fortunate enough that I haven't had that experience, but I'm also from New York. So like what's an attitude to some people? Like it's like, it. it's a regular Monday to me. Right. So like I don't get really offended by it, but I'm very lucky. A lot of the people that I've interviewed or just come into contact with at events and things like that, have been really cool and like some are even like fans of my work which is sick like people that you've idolized looked up to been fans of yourself you know for to them to return the favor so i'm very i'm very lucky some friendships have even formed from meeting certain people so i'm good i, I may have jinxed myself just now but you know time will tell but for now i'm, I'm in a good space hopefully yeah hopefully not. <laughs> okay so kind of piggybacking off of that you said like you haven't really had like a bad experience but mm-hmm. is there someone that you actually really want to interview like who's next on your list oh Alan Iverson for sure oh I love that you know when I was going into journalism school and I focused on sports and that was like you know the genre I was focusing on I had a list of people that I wanted to interview Penny Hardaway was on that list I got to interview Penny in Memphis which was so cool Kobe Bryant was on that list unfortunately I didn't get to interview him before his untimely passing but Alan Iverson's also on that list I'm a huge AI fan Kobe and AI were the reason that I fell in love with the game of basketball um, I watched their entire career AI I missed like the very beginning of it but Kobe I watched beginning to the end and I would love to sit down and just have a conversation with him I've met him once or twice in passing and it was like meeting. Don't, don't, don't I was so right. like starstruck. Like I had the not only that, but I had the biggest crush I think most girls right. on AI right. back right. with the braids right. and the tattoos. The yeah, yeah, like he was flying. So like seeing him in person was just kind of like full circle. So I can't wait to sit down and, and have a conversation with him. I think it's coming in the near future. So I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed about that. All right. Well, yeah. still going on your career. Mm-hmm. You had this viral moment that everyone yeah. saw when yeah. you asked Bam. Yeah. <laughs> about Julius Randle, he's one of the toughest people that he's defended. Mm-hmm. Did he pay you to say that? No, so like, you know what's funny? Bam and I like go back, we've been friends for years. Like when he first got to Miami and I was first starting my career in Miami, it, obviously different fields within sports, but we were kind of like coming through the ranks together. And he's a Kentucky guy, Julius is a Kentucky guy. And off camera, we had been talking about, it was March Madness actually, so this time last year. We were talking about Kentucky. They had just gotten bounced from the playoffs. I mean, from the the tournament. And the way that I asked him, and this is how Twitter works. When it came out, I was upset because I was like, okay, this is not the full context of the conversation. Like, but what basically I was saying was, is it a player like a Julius Randle? Because Julius in small ball can play the five. So you're essentially guarding two positions when you have to cover him. So that was the full context, but you know, of course, Twitter cuts it where it's like the most sensationalized and it kind of caught some heat. But hey, when Julius dropped like 42 on Bam the last time the Knicks played, it kind of came full circle and came in my favor. But right. So like the Knicks fan base pulled it up and it was like, oh, so Ashley was ahead of the curve. But it's all fun and games. You know, I think Twitter does what Twitter is supposed to do and social media does what it's supposed to do. But um, Bam and I knew what the context of that conversation was, so it wasn't, 
It is what it is, you know? Yeah. Okay, so speaking of Twitter, uh -huh. you know, you've had a lot of moments here and there. Do you feel like sometimes people take what you say out of context and over-exaggerate it, and how do you handle that? Twitter is like the one place, like, in the world, I feel like, that you can say exactly what you mean in black and white text, and someone will still find an interpretation of it that doesn't exist. But I think that as you kind of go through this career, especially with sports, I think that, you know, when you're using Twitter as just a regular Twitter user, if, you know, you may not deal with it as much, but when you're in the public eye of any capacity, whether it's media, sports, or whatever, um, you have to kind of be prepared that you're gonna piss somebody off, especially in an uh, opinion-based business like we have. You know, you may say, oh, the Heat are gonna win a championship. You're gonna have 50% of people who think like that's not true, so they're gonna come at you. So you have to kind of be prepared for that. Um, it annoys me at times though, because I'm like, can y'all not read? Like it says yeah, right. it yeah. right they, here. They just want to start right. something, especially with like a pretty girl talking right. about it. And I'm just, but sometimes it baffles me because I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm like, this is as clear cut as it yeah. can get. And, and y'all are, and you're still finding the gray area where there is none. So it's, it is what it is, you know? You get so many like interactions and engagement every single day. Good and bad. Good, yeah, good and bad, exactly. And I know a lot of those people are sliding in the DM. What's like <laughs> the craziest pickup line that you've ever got? Or like, who's the biggest name that's ever slid in your DM? The biggest name? I have a few big names, but I would say the craziest DM was like somebody, when I was in college. Mm. <laughs> I remember when I was in college, <laughs> I had gotten an offer for half a million dollars to go to Dubai. So it was like 250 up front and then 250 after I left Dubai. And that was in the era where like the girls were like flying to Dubai and like, and I was like, mind you, I was in college eating ramen noodles every day. So I was like, it kind of sounds good, but then I was like, I'm not gonna do it. But that was, that probably might have been one of the craziest, like that was a legit cash offer. And at the time, I mean, five hundred thousand dollars. Like, buy. They're not messing. Like, they're serious when they. Yeah, say but then that. I was. My concern was like, what if I don't get back? Like, how am I gonna? Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to get stuck. Right, right, right. That was my fear. It was like, it was like Liam Neeson, like taken, and like someone was gonna have to come oh, get. Me. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. It was. I was. I was like. Taken volume four. I was kind of like you know that right that meme where she's like. Yeah. Mm, and she right. like backs up. That was me. It sounds like, nice, but yeah, yeah. Right. definitely dangerous. When you start thinking the logistics, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's. That's not a good idea, so right. let's not do it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy you didn't go to Dubai. Thank you, me too. Yeah. I might not be sitting here having this conversation right, with you guys. Crazy. Right. Okay. So also on Twitter, you made a bet with Brandon Marshall about Ja Morant. Yeah. We, know, we, know how, we know how that went, so I feel like now's the time to get your look back. Yeah. Is there anything about Brandon that people wouldn't expect that you could tell us? Hmm, anything I could expect, anything about Brandon? That's a good one. I, okay, so Brandon has this thing where, and you see this on air a lot, he will, his vocabulary, he'll use words in the wrong context, he'll say, he'll, he'll be like, what does that word mean? Like, I taught him, I remember I saying the word, I said the word gravitas around him, and he was like, I don't know what that means. So, like, Brandon's vocabulary is not as good as mine, but I'm teaching him new words, and I'm teaching him how to use them, but there was one time where he got the word collusion right and he used it correctly and he would not let us live it down. Like to this day, like whenever we use that word in like a debate or like a discussion, he'll be like, yeah, collusion, right? Like who taught you that? I was like, you didn't teach me But yeah, Brandon, Brandon's a character. Brandon's, he's, he's definitely, I think, um, 
people have a perception of who he is and I think when you work with him and you're, you're in and out like day in day out you get to see a different side of him but he's a he's a character his vocabulary is not as good as mine even though he thinks it is but it's not and he thinks he can dress better than me which he can't so oh well, we're talking about fashion right now who, who do you think who do you think's like three best dressed NBA players in the league Ooh, um I love Clarkson, mm -hmm. I think he's fly. I know a lot of people say he wears weird things, but I, I, I think he wears things that like fit his personality. Mm -hmm. He gets his fits off. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, fly. Um, I like Devin Booker's style as well. It's super simple, but very like attainable, which I think is important. And I'll throw a, a, another mix in there. I like Kyle Kuzma. I know people not Kyle Kuzma, the extra long Rick Owens sweaters right. yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that, but Kuzma, like he can dress and he dress, he's not afraid to like, play with fashion and things like that and I, I like that. I feel like the tunnel now is becoming like a runway for oh, people. It and yeah. it's finally like this is like it's finally becoming like people are able to express themselves like yeah. through fashion. So it is really cool to say. And sure. like along with like Russ, he's been like bullied his whole yeah. career. Russell Westbrook is fly to me. Fly. Exactly. Yeah. Me too. So I like all those answers. Like I like I like Kyle Kuzma. Like I like those answers yeah. that you get because like they're not scared to take those risks like yeah. fashion. And I think that like for me, like growing up in New York, like you were exposed mm -hmm. to fashion at such a young age, like street style has always been a thing. So for me, like I'm very into like fashion, high fashion, streetwear, mm -hmm. things like that. So I can appreciate kind of the really eccentric fresh off the runway stuff and I can right. appreciate like the streetwear that's attainable for like every guy to go ahead I think there's right. like when guys can play with that that's dope so I appreciate those guys for sure yeah so we talked a bit about the players and we you know asked a little bit about any crazy DMs you've been told but have you ever heard anything crazy during an interview that you just completely didn't agree with or didn't understand or were kind of like what like he said that like do you have any moments that like that that you could share with us i mean you all especially when you're in the industry of like takes yeah sometimes mm -hmm. people say like yeah. okay for example brandon and i get into conversations all the time and like when we were talking about the mavs and the warriors game mm -hmm. where like the warriors took advantage of the mavs kind of being on the other side of the court and not being where they were to inbound the ball he was blaming it on the refs and i was like brandon there were five people on the opposite side of the court like nobody right. was even there to inbound the ball so sometimes you hear takes and you're like I don't, I don't get the correlation. Um, even when watching TV, you know, Stephen A. Smith will say something and I'm like, come on, you don't believe that. Right, or right, like right, stuff right. like that. I don't know if it's ever happened. I mean, I think with us, um, especially when you're sitting and you're having conversations with, you know, a bunch of guys who played football, played yeah. basketball, mm -hmm. you're always gonna knock heads a little bit because they're gonna have their perspectives. I'm gonna have my perspective. Anything outlandish though, any Nick slander, cowboy slander does not fly with me. So I'm going to go oh. ahead and put all my eggs in that basket. Oh, I'm, I'm going to bring that up Yeah, right yeah, yeah. That does, not, that does not fly with me. So anytime it pertains to that, I'm just like, that's not what it is. Like, I'll say the biggest thing that I hear often that I don't agree with is like Dak Prescott not being a good quarterback. Okay. Do you, and think, that, he's top, do you think he's top five? I would say he's top 10. I don't think he's top yeah. five. Okay. All right. He's top I 10 for sure. Okay. I respect yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, it okay. was crazy when I found out that you were a Knicks fan and a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Those are two of the, some of the most like hated organization franchises mm -hmm. like of I all time. I got lucky, like, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, it was crazy when I uh -huh. heard that you were fans of both the Knicks and the Cowboys. But I have a question for you because of that. Mm -hmm. So you're on a plane and mm -hmm. on the plane, you, C.D. Lamb, mm -hmm. Dak Prescott, mm -hmm. Julius Randle, mm -hmm. and Carmelo Anthony. Oof. You got three pair of shoes. One of them got to go. Who, who are you picking? It's not Melo for sure. <laughs> I would hope not. It's not Melo. <laughs> you scared me for a second. It can't be Dak. Oh, no. 
CD. I don't know. Ah, I love Julius though. Right. Ah. <laughs> I feel like Ju I feel like I feel like CDs like light enough. He could probably fly. He'll be all right. Yeah. All right, so I gotta go. I gotta fly. save Julius. <laughs> CD just like grow a couple wings, fly. Yeah, yeah. Off, yeah. You're good. I feel like Nick. I feel like Nick's like, fans would, would like me more right. if like I let right. Julius fall right. and I save CD, but. I don't know. I'm gonna give one of them my parachute. I'll stay on the plane. <laughs> I don't. Julius got kids. I can't do that to his kids. Like I just, I can't. Uh, I might actually. I might yeah. give it to Julius. And really let's, Yeah, yeah. It's like, gonna be like, CD. I'm yeah. gonna have to let him go. Sorry, right. C. You know, it's all love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay. So you, we were talking about how your teams are a little bit of the most hated. So mm -hmm. is there a team that you just can't stand? Their oh, I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. I knew that was coming. That I question, hate the Philadelphia just, Eagles. It was so clear. Which is funny because one of my really good friends, Devontae Smith, is on the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard because I want him to do well. And, like, I'm, I'm proud of his progress. But I hate the team. I hate the fans. After them is the Giants for sure. Okay. Um, but I would wear a Giants jersey before I put on a Philadelphia Eagles one. Like, oh, I can't absolutely. stand them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you she know agrees. what? Like, I, yeah, I agree. They're the worst. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, like, despise Philly fans, first of all. And Top like to bottom. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 110%. And it's funny because, like, um, I saw that video of you when you're, like, you snag that Kansas City beanie and you're, like, get that. I would, yeah, get the other. Oh, like, with Kay Adams. Yay. She was, like, which one do you want? I was, you like, Kay, you know which one I want. You were so happy the Super Bowl. I know you were so happy. I was so happy. I was sitting there. Yeah. It, when it got when it started to get too close for comfort, I was, like, oh, my God, they're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. They're going to do it. And then like, that call happened. And then and the call like, happened and I was. And you know what? The call was a little suspect. It was right. catchy. But I, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. Not my problem. Like, <laughs> not my team. Not my problem. So like, like, I'm so sorry. I said, if the, but it, you know that felt good. I think I put out a tweet. I was I put out a tweet of like Dak in a Cowboys hat, and I said, um, won't be a parade in Philly this year, huh? Ooh. LOL. <laughs> it was, yeah, team. yeah. Listen, if, if if the Cowboys can't have one, no NFC East team can have one. So that's kind of where I was with that. Yeah. All right. So this is another tough hitting question right here. Mm -hmm. Would you get handcuffed to Dylan Brooks for a whole week for the New York Knicks to win a championship this season? Oh. Can I duct tape like his mouth shut? Nah, nah, his mouth's oh. going, and you know that's not stopping. I would do that. I'm pretty good at ignoring people when I want to. He's handcuffed to you. I know, Dylan but I'm, I'm pretty good at like ignoring. So if you can be right next to you me, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just have to like suck it up for, I mean, a Knicks championship. Yeah. I've been waiting my entire life for that. I got to think of my dad. He's been waiting his entire life for, like, it's just. I'd have to do it for the city. You'd be sick of doing it. I'd have to do it. I would need a ring, though. Like, they, the Knicks would yeah. have to give me a ring. It would be worth it for the ring. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would need a championship ring like I was on the team if I, if I went ahead and did that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd always be like, Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I would do it for a week, but I would need a ring. Yeah. I would need courtside seats at the garden for the rest yeah. of my life. Like, what yeah. I just had to do for the city, like, I feel like for I For the would. city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New York a little, you'd be like the queen in New York. I would be the queen. I never want to have to pay to eat at another restaurant in New York. York City, Your like picture will be everywhere, yes. billboards everywhere. Might need a statue outside the garden, like I don't know, maybe. No, like, you'd be the queen in New York. Yeah, I need, that, I need a that's lot. Die, that's die heart right there. Yeah, I like it. And because he is. Yeah, no. Right. So you <laughs> talked a little bit about like your relationship with your dad. So mm -hmm. where did your love of sports kind of stem from and where, you know, do you feel like you felt like this was for you? So it's definitely from my dad. I mean, I played growing up. I played soccer, volleyball, a little basketball, things like that. So I was always athletic. Um, but it was really like my dad is a diehard sports fan and he's Knicks, Cowboys, Yankees. So watching sports with him was, you know, a bonding experience for us. But as I got older, it became less about just 
enjoying it from an entertainment standpoint and I really started to like dive and hone into the, like the logistics so trades and the storylines and when I got into in high school like I would get into debates with guys at like the lunch table and I would be like oh like I'm actually like good at this I like I, I can it. go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and then I always had a love of writing like I used to write poetry and just journals and things like that and I wanted to figure out a way to combine all of those things. So it kind of made sense to go into sports journalism. And then obviously at FAU, there were so many different programs that offered traditional journalism. So we learned how to write for like newspapers, but we also learned how to write for blogs. And we also learned how to you know, do radio and things like that. And it was when I did um, television interviews and things like that, that I was like, I really love the aspect of like sitting one-on-one -on -one with someone and like looking at them and yeah, you know, I see what you can do on the court, but who are you outside of right. that? And peeling back those layers is something that I really love. Of course, debating is cool, but for me, it was always about the storylines right, that really right. kind of wanted, that I wanted to like really got, dive into. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, so which NBA player do you think is a little too loud right now? Like speaking, Dylan Brooks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, like for sure. speaking too much but not sure. backing up his game. Dylan Brooks, yeah. for sure. I mean, Draymond's right there next to him, though. Draymond, 100%. Draymond talks a lot, but 100%. he hasn't really been doing what he right. should be doing. They're both but, a lot. You know what? I give Draymond a pass because he's a multi-time world champion. Mm -hmm. Dylan just talks a lot. He yeah. hasn't done. I mean, but Dylan's also coming for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, why Carmelo catch a stray? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Carmelo's over here minding his business, <laughs> drinking his wine. Like, oh, exactly. you know, why is why is he catching a random stray? Like, why is exactly. T.O. Pinson crack uh, mm -hmm. a, a stray? Like, he just he's on the bench in Dallas minding his exactly. business. Like, it just seems yeah. a little bit like low hanging fruit for him. Well, it's this just... kind of goes like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Which NBA player right now do you think is? Underrated, and which NBA player do you think is overrated? Underrated. Mm. I think underrated. That's a good question. I feel like Jalen Brunson's underrated mm -hmm. um, in New York. I feel like Shea Gilgis is underrated. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because yeah. he plays in OKC, so it's yeah. not really it's like he's on a small market. Oh, that yeah. boy's dropping. 31 points yeah. and like seven and six. Like yeah. he should be getting way more respect than For he's sure. getting right it's now. It's OKC. But it's because he's on OKC, he's on a small market team. Like For sure. When you have Jason Tatum dropping close to that in Boston, a, a bigger market, For it's sure. just you're going to hear about it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that but he's I like underrated. That a lot. Um, he's probably, I feel like, one of the most underrated. Mm -hmm. the, it's again that market. Overrated? That's hard. Like, I feel like people who are overrated deserve to be. Like, I can't say that John Moran's overrated. Ben Simmons. Mm -hmm. Do you think he deserves all this hate he's getting? Do you think he's overrated? Do you think he's underrated? What are your I think Ben Simmons him? is legitimately injured. Okay. I know, like, it's it's fun and it's, like, mm -hmm. the low-hanging fruit to say mm -hmm. he doesn't care about basketball. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think, I don't think he doesn't care. I think mm -hmm. there is some truth to the criticism. I mm -hmm. think that you know, you would have liked to see a lot more development from him since, you know, his Philadelphia right. days. And I don't right, think you've right, seen right. that drastic development that you have with some other players. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at like, this is not a perfect example. If you look at like an RJ Barrett, mm -hmm. for example, he's a lot better than he was as a rookie. Oh yeah. Right. He still has a lot to grow and to learn. Right. He's only 22, but you can see there's been progress right. there. I think the knock against Ben is that you haven't seen that progress, but when it comes to his tenure since in Brooklyn, He's, I think he's legitimately injured. Like, it doesn't make sense that you're okay for a certain stretch of games and then all of a sudden you're out and now you're out for an extended period of time. There's something underlining there and it's just not, oh, he doesn't want to play basketball. Oh, he doesn't want to shoot the basketball. I think that he's physically not 100%. And 
It wouldn't be unheard of. I mean, Brooklyn is notorious for having a terrible conditioning program. Like, it, yeah. they're, he, yeah, they're not yeah, the yeah. first. Right. The fan base complains about the lack of transparency when it comes to the health of players and what the media finds out. So I think it's a combination of not seeing progress. But I think it's like I said, the low-hanging fruit. People are like, it's an easy target. It's easy jokes. Right. But I do think there's legitimate injury there. No, like you said, like he's the easy player to hate on just yeah. because of kind of like his role in the NBA and like coming in, he had such high expectations as the number one pick mm -hmm. in the draft. And then alongside Joel Embiid, who's improving every single year, who mm -hmm. became one of the best players in the league, Ben Simmons was stuck at a steady. And mm -hmm. then that Atlanta playoff series, I feel like kind of like turned for the worst, yeah. his career just started going down. But I, I think I also, I mean, like, listen, a back injury is not easy to come back from. No way. There are it's players not. that take some, like, if no you look way. at, like, a Tony Romo, like, from a football yeah. standpoint, when he herniated his disc, he was never the same player. Right. Like, he had to wear multiple, like, yeah. pads, and, like, he was one hit away from not being able to walk, which is why he didn't play. So then you take Ben having back surgery, having to rehab that back surgery. Now it's a knee issue. You have double injuries compounded. Mm. It's not easy. Like it's it's there's probably a lot of nerve damage that people are unaware of that he's constantly dealing with. So while I get the jokes, I think there's legit issues there. I think also like with Ben, so much mental stuff happening too. Oh, yeah. Like from Philly, like they were hard on the kid. Like they mm -hmm. were definitely Philly's not, a tough market. Yeah, they yeah. were not taking They're it assholes. lightly on him. Yeah, exactly. People talk about New York fans. Philly fans are yeah. assholes. Like. Philly fans are so much worse. Yes. I'm, I'm a Miami fan. I'm saying that. Like, yeah. they're so much worse. And this is, like, what you see from the outside. Like, not mm -hmm. part of New York, not part of Philly. Like, that's what you see from the outside. But, like, I think he had a lot more going on. I don't I think people, like, they didn't take it lightly on him at all. Yeah, and I mean, remember, you're leaving Philly, a tough market, mm -hmm. not only from the media standpoint, from the fan base standpoint. And while the Brooklyn fans aren't, you know, Knicks fans, mm -hmm. it's kind of quiet in the Barclays. Right. You're still under that microscope of New York media. And the New York media is not easy. Playing alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie And they Irving. leave. Now all eyes exactly. on you. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I think that, you know, some truth, but then it's also a little bit, a little tough on the guy. So. All right. Flipping back to football now. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite touchdown celebration? Do you have one? Um, I loved when Zeke jumped into the bucket, the Salvation Army bucket. Fire. Yeah, that's fine. That was, I'm going to miss him so much. Um, I'm so sorry. Where do you think he's going? I hope it's not Philly. Oh my gosh, I, I'm, for your sake, I hope it's not Philly. I, I, if it's Philly, I might actually cry. Mm. Like, I might shed a tear or two. Like, that would, anybody but Philly. Like, it can, I would even prefer the Giants over, I mean, they're not going to do, they have Saquon, but like, it can't be Philly. Yeah. Um, but I love that one because it was like, you know, around the holidays and then him and Dak, he put Dak in it with him in the 214, and that was a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of the team that did it, but there was one where they like did a, the bowling and the, like the pins and the, the players they fell exactly down. Yeah. That's a good one. Obviously Justin Jefferson yeah. and you know his little gritty I and things that. like that. And it's everyone's cool. picking it up now. They got Micah Setti like gritting down. Yeah, it was. Oh, so uh, Schefter like messed up his knee trying yeah. to do the gritty. I was like, sir, you're don't do that. Like, oh, I love yeah. It. But yeah, there's so many cool ones. I like when they do like the, the WWE and they're like mm -hmm. counting down and the CPR so, one. The CPR yeah, one. It's so many cool ones. I mean, I, I like it. Yeah. I think All it's right, cool. Love it, love it. Okay, I gotta ask, so do you know how to gritty? No. <laughs> Have you tried? I remember Justin Jefferson, I interviewed him last year at Super Bowl, uh -huh. Radio Row in LA. And he was going and this was the, it was fresh off the gritty train, right? right. Like he had oh, been doing goodness. it all season. 
Every single place that he went to, they were asking him to agree. He comes to, at the time I was working with Sports Illustrated, he comes to Sports Illustrated, he sits down, he looks at me, I said, don't worry, I'm not going to make you agree. He said, thank you, God, I've been doing it all day. I was like, I'm not going to make you do it, part in part, because I know you've been doing it all day, and two, I can't do it, and I'm not trying to learn, so. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think I've attempted it once. Right. And I was like, no, it's okay. It's a a young person's move. I'm not old, but I'm old enough for that. So, like, (laughs) so, yeah, I can't do it. Is there, like, a moment in your career that you remember being, like, cringing at? Like, one of the most embarrassing moments of your career? Most embarrassing? If any. I don't have the most embarrassing. I remember one of the most nerve-wracking, though. I remember one of the first interviews I ever did was with Pat Riley. And Pat, right off the bat. Pat Riley has this like godfather aura about him. It's very like Don Corleone. And I, I was like 22 at the time. And I was working at NBC6 down here. And he, he was getting an award at some charity event. And we had like five minutes with him, maybe 10 minutes tops. And we're waiting, we're waiting. And he walks in and I see him. He's like dressed to the nines, hair slicked back, fresh tan. Like he just Sounds got off the right. boat from the Bahamas or something. And Mind you, I'm a Knicks fan. We don't have the best relationship with Pat Riley. Yeah. So that was nerve wracking for me. But then also like seeing this like legendary coach and now president and just he's walking towards you. Smells like $7,000 <laughs> cologne. Like it's incredible. Bro. And like he's just like this such it's not even that like he's intimidating in like his height or his build. It's his aura. Mm-hmm. And he's like walking mm-hmm. towards me and my hands are getting sweaty and then <laughs> I shake his hand and he is the nicest guy yeah. ever. Like he has such a welcoming spirit about him when you actually converse with him and you sit down and you have a conversation with him. But like from like just glance, it's like you're going to sit down with the Godfather. And it's funny because when I interviewed Bam, he told me a similar story that when he first got to Miami, he walks into Pat Riley's office, the lights are dim. There's only a light like above his desk. So it's like illuminating Pat Riley. The rest of the room is pitch black. And Bam walks in and he's like, hello? Like, like, and Pat turns around in his chair and he's like, hi, take a seat. It was very Godfather-like. But Bam said the same thing. When they sit down, they're talking about restaurants for him to go to and things like that. But he walks in and he's like, the hell is going on You're here? You're like in like, a movie 24-7 with Pat he has that He has that exact vibe about him. Wow. So. You feel like a million bucks when you're just even talking. Right. Yeah, I sm- left smelling like a million bucks. Like, he smells amazing. Damn, I wonder what cologne he used. I don't know, rich. but it smells like, very rich. It smells very rich. Yeah, wow. for sure. Okay, so I love that you tapped on that. Is there maybe like an athlete that you've met that acted how you didn't expect them to act? Like, you had the complete wrong perception of them? Yeah, I think a few. I think... um. When I interviewed, let's see, I, I think Emmett Smith kind of, I thought he would be a mm-hmm. little bit more, he's so chill and so mm-hmm. laid back and so funny. I thought it's Emmett Smith, like he's a legend. He's a right. Hall, right. yellow jacket Hall of Famer. Right. He's gonna walk in like, I'm Emmett Smith. He <laughs> sat down, he's like, hey, he was, at the time he was promoting a tequila. When, we, I, when I saw him last year at Radio Row and he was like, this bottle, you want it? And I was like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> I love he it. He signed a jersey for my dad that I brought oh, that's, that's hanging that's on the sad. wall at the house. Oh, and so like he was so chill and so nice. And like, I think especially Hall of Famers, like current players, like I don't think they have that same kind of aura about mm-hmm. them. But like those Hall of Fame guys have every right to kind of be like, don't. Right. I, my, my, I'm enshrined in right. Ohio. Like, don't talk to me. Right. <laughs> but he was such a nice guy and like so chill and like a guy that you'd want to like go golf with. Like, I don't golf, but if I did, like, I'd want to go with Emmett Smith. So right. that one was really right. cool. Michael Irvin is really cool. That's it. Um, 
Justin Herbert actually is really funny. And he kind of threw me off because I thought he was going to be like really quiet yeah. and whatever, but he's not. He's super personable. Eli Manning, the same thing. Eli comes across a oh, little dorky, awesome. but yeah. Eli's hilarious. Like him and Peyton together, but Eli by himself will crack jokes. He has a very dry sense it. of humor. Same thing with Tom Brady. I interviewed Tom Brady at the SI Awards. Well, I didn't get to interview him. He wasn't doing interviews, but I saw him. And I had to, like, there were cameras going crazy, and I was prepared to interview him last minute. He says, oh, we're not doing interviews. Mm -hmm. He's just going to walk. So I'm, like, in this long black dress, and I'm squatting because I don't want to be in any of the right, photos. Right, right, right. And he said, he looks at me. He goes, no, why are you squatting? Get up, get up. That's <laughs> oh, not cool. He's like, don't do, that's not cool. Why are they making you squat? So Brady's that. another one that, like, you think he's going to be, like, standoffish, and he's a really cool guy. So That's sick. No, Sometimes that's you don't get the full picture, like, over mm -hmm. the screen, and people have, like, like, misconceptions about people. They think of them in the wrong way. Do you think that there's a certain athlete in the NBA right now that you feel like is portrayed wrong from the media? A few. I think Kevin Durant's one. Yeah, I think I that um, a lot of people think KD is just like this, like miserable, just rude, like snaky. rude. Yeah. KD's not like, Katie wakes up every day. He's blessed to just hoop. Like, mm -hmm. he's sarcastic, but I think there's like this persona yeah. of him that he's just this miserable person and he hates right. life. And he's just, it's not the case. Um, I think obviously there are misconceptions about John Morant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there's misconceptions about Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's even misconceptions about Julius Randle. I think that he, especially being in New York, where like the lens and that microscope is different. And I know Jew and he, you know, he's somebody who's super passionate and he's human. He's got a little, he's a Sagittarius and they're super emotional if you believe in that stuff. And I think that sometimes, you know, he just, he lets, you know, the situation get the best of him, but he really loves the Knicks and he really loves that team love and, that. and that fan and you base. you could tell, you could tell that his, he loves his the His son Knicks. loves it, like his family yeah. loves being there. The I think. way he plays and stuff and like appreciates right. the fans, mm -hmm. like you could tell that he loves being there and like, He's grateful for them just as they're grateful. Not that only that, him. but you everyone forgets, like Julius Randle played with Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So he saw firsthand right. that work ethic and that story about him being in, I think it was Cleveland or Detroit or something like that, where he was looking for an open gym and he was calling around, calling around. And he found a high school gym that was open so he can get shots. So that's a true story. Like he really, his dedication to his craft and his conditioning is real. And I think that he also has a bad reputation mm -hmm. where he's just like this miserable person right. and he's just sensitive. But I think that when you're passionate about something, you're bound to like mm -hmm. ruffle some feathers along the way. So, well, other than Julius Randle, mm -hmm. do you think that there's someone in the NBA that has that Mamba mentality and like that dog in them that we don't really see often, especially since Kobe? I think Devin Booker has it. I think Booker is, I mean, obviously Kobe, I mean, you think of LeBron's, you think right, of KD's, right, right, you think right. of those, like, those, that, those are given. But Devin Booker, for sure. I mean, Book, like, he eats, breathes, sleeps basketball, like, he's hooping constantly, like, he wants to win. His mid-range is, like, insane, but his work ethic is crazy. Like, and I think that because Kobe was his idol, I think mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, those aspects of him, he's applied to his own game. And he says, yeah. you know, I'm not Kobe. I'm never going to be Kobe. But there are a lot of things about Kobe that, like, I've taken on. And I think that um, he has that. I think Jason Tatum has it. Mm -hmm. I know we're waiting to see it when it counts the most, but I think mm -hmm. JT has it. Um, I think a few people have it. I think Kobe was one of those players where you can see bits of him in most players in some aspect, right. whether it's footwork, whether it's their shot. He was just that influential. 
that you see him in, in pieces of guys, and some guys more than others, so. So you spoke a lot about misconceptions of other people. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's a big misconception people have about oh, you? Oh, for sure. And what is it? Like, what do you um, think people always get wrong about you? I think, I think a few. I think one, I think people think, obviously when you're a woman in sports, oh, yeah. and you reach a certain level of sports where you're more public and you're more on camera, mm -hmm. I mean, if I had a million dollars every time I was dating somebody that I interviewed, I'd probably worth, be worth like 50 mil by now. Like that's, it's crazy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you can't even sit down and like, right. for example, we just did an interview at I Am Athlete with Von Miller. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking at Von Miller the same way I'm looking at y'all and the comments are, oh, she's looking at him. She's like, she wants yeah. to date him. So like now you want me to interview someone with my eyes closed. Like right. how am I like, supposed to, to that way? right? Like which way do you want me to look to like not offend you right. because I'm confused. So it's things like that, that they start nitpicking and you know, you'll take a picture with someone and now you're dating. Someone will follow right. you on yeah. Instagram and you'll follow them back. Yeah. And now you guys are getting married tomorrow. Like it's things like that. And it's unfortunate because some people don't have the wherewithal to know like, mm -hmm. It's not true, people just make things up. Some people truly believe it. So like right. those rumors start to circulate like on the internet within a small group of people. And, and once it starts going, it, they take off with it. Right, I mean, people like that matter don't believe it, yeah. but it's still like, it still rubs you the wrong way as a right. woman who you already are knocking so many barriers down mm -hmm. to get to the position you're in. Now all of a sudden, um, I'm dating Jalen Brown because we have a picture together on the mm -hmm. internet. Like I interviewed Bam, right. so now we're together. Like it's just, it's weird, um, so that's one. And I also think like, I'm somebody who like in person, if I'm not like communicating with someone, I'm more reserved, I'm quiet, I'm chill, like I'm just I'm peeping the scene. People take that as me like being standoffish or bitchy and things right. like that. But then I think when I'm like sitting down and actually talking to someone, they'll be like, oh, she's not any of right. those things. So it's right. like, yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here like right. minding my business. I what do you want me to do? Jump up and down and do <laughs> right. cartwheels? Like it's. People right. have misconceptions, and I think yeah. that for me, when I was younger, it got to me a lot mm -hmm. because it was like you didn't want to be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So you try to like constantly push back, push back, push back. And I think when you get older and more seasoned in the game, you realize you can have every proof in the book yeah. that this isn't true right. and right. someone will still make it true. So it's like, why waste the energy of like trying to prove people wrong? Yeah, you know people, what I mean? people need to understand like this is your job just as much as it's their job. Right. Like, I've even seen like you post pictures with like Victor Oladipo and people in the comments are saying out of pocket stuff. Like right. he definitely like right, right. You know what I mean? Like, right. He definitely hit. Oh no, she for sure. And it's for just sure. like it's just like. And Victor will send it to me and he'd be like, "When did this happen?" Yeah. I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember it." <laughs> right. No, it's funny yeah. because it's like this is your career, this is your job, and like it, it must be annoying that people don't take it seriously. Yeah. Sometimes. There was a. Um, Jalen Brown had had a like get together at his he had rented a house in LA and I had taken a picture on my film camera that's on my Instagram of him and Amari Hardwick together mm -hmm. and I posted it like when I uploaded all my film photos to my Instagram I posted it and from that photo there was an entire thread about how we're dating and how wow. we're together oh and how like I'm competing for a spot in his life and I'm like <laughs> I'm not even in the picture yeah like I just took, I just took it. it like <laughs> you know what I mean I just happened to be present it was me and like a bunch of other people so it's it's unfortunate situations like that but like I said you learn eventually to stop trying to like change the narrative because people are going to believe what they want to believe so like let them believe it and those who don't don't those who do do like you'll never win so right do you have like a oh shit moment from your career that's like either like could be like i made it like something like that or like something like 
Like that's the moment you knew that you could actually go the long run with this. I think the that moment came for me when I made 30 under 30 with Forbes. That's mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. yeah, I think it was crazy because the year prior when I was 28, so there's like levels to like, there's being nominated and then you become an actual candidate. And then from that, like they make you fill out a form with all these right, questions right, right. in case you get chosen to like the final batch mm-hmm. of people, right? So I think when I was 28, I had made it to the nomination stage and I was so excited and I think I had made it to like the candidate stage or like the, the, the stage where you fill out the paperwork. And I was like so excited and I allowed, I got my hopes up a little bit and I was like, oh, this means like I had definitely had, they're asking me all these questions. Like right, I right, have to right. be in. The list came out and you know, like you ever like audition for a school play or right. something and like you run to the bulletin <laughs> board and you're like searching your name. Mm-hmm. That was me in the morning when the list dropped in the sports category. My name wasn't on it. I remember searching it like maybe six times. Like maybe they spelled my name wrong. Maybe it's Jessica, but they really meant Ashley and like whatever. So I'm like looking and looking. <laughs> it's not there. I remember being so disappointed. And with Forbes 30 under 30, you have to be under 30 before December 30, by December 31st to oh, like wow. make the cut. Right. So this would be my, this is my last year of being eligible. So again, I get nominated, I go through the candidacy, I'm filling out the form, but this time around, I'm like, I'm not even gonna like, I'm just gonna fill it out and go about my business. I'm not gonna think about it, whatever, whatever. Like, there's no way, like, and then the morning of when the list drops, my phone is blowing up. And I'm, I'm the type of girl now, my phone it. constantly stays on D&D. Like, right. it's, it's terrible, right, but it's just like, I just, I just wanna right. be left alone. So my phone's blowing up, my phone's blowing up, and I'm like reading it, and I was like, congratulations, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually kind of, sc- I'm low key kind of scared because my phone's blowing up from right. all these people. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Right. Like, what's going on? Oh like, God. I'm thinking like I something got leaked. Like, what did I do? <laughs> like, oh my I God. So like, <laughs> I'm looking at it and then I get on Twitter and my notifications are blown up. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what did I say on Twitter last night that got <laughs> oh everyone goodness. like, I'm You're thinking, stressing. I thought my take went viral and right. something like, a, I don't know. And it was, I made the list and I was like, oh, that was like a so oh shit dope. moment. I that's was like, so oh dope. my God, I was so excited. That was something that had been on my vision board since high school. Oh right. And it's crazy when like you manifest something and it actually happens. Cause a lot of times you manifest things and it doesn't always happen. You know, that's the truth about manifestation that people don't talk about often. It's like, you can manifest something. It doesn't always happen that way. Right. So to actually have it happen was pretty sick. That's like, that just reassures you that everything you've done, like every comment that you have gotten that maybe made you shed a tear or whatever, it was all worth it because like, Mm -hmm. look at me now. Mm -hmm. That's so sick. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. It was really cool. And it was just, it was a moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So I want to know a little bit about your change from Sports Illustrated to I Am Athlete. Mm -hmm. What precedented that change and why did you decide to make that move? I think whenever you work in a job long enough, you know, there's, there comes a point where there's no more room to grow. You know, like sometimes, you know, I relate it to relationships. Sometimes you grow together and sometimes you just grow apart. You know, it's not like it was a bad relationship. It's just that there's no more room for growth. And I think for me, when I got to SI, what was really important was one, using the brand to like uplift and, and build my own brand, but also they had never had, you know, a black woman head their department in video. So I really wanted to make sure that whenever I did leave, because I knew it wasn't a forever job, but I wanted to make sure when I did leave that they realized, okay, diversity works. Like we can do this. Like Laces Out was a success. You know, the Super Bowl was a success. Like the next girl that comes along that may not be what we typically went for at SI, we know, okay, it worked with Ashley. So it might work with her. So let's, let's go this route. 
Um, so for me, when it had come to the point where it ran its course and I realized I wasn't going to keep growing there, I was just going to stay stagnant. I was looking for what was next. And, you know, there were other offers on the table. But one thing I liked about I Am Athlete was that I feel like we're in a space within this landscape of sports where there's so many avenues to do the same thing, but mm -hmm. differently. You know, the traditional landscape. When I was coming up and out of college, it was only ESPN or right. like the big three, right, right, right. ESPN, CBS, um, NBC. Fox. Yeah, like Fox. It right. was really, those were really only your opportunities. Like and it you, was like major TV stations. Right, like, and radio. Like YouTube right. wasn't really like a thing like that. Podcast mm -hmm. game was so new. Like nobody had a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so IG lives and stuff like didn't exist. Like right. it wasn't something people were doing. So you really only had the opportunity to like invest all your eggs in those baskets. And if it didn't work, you felt like a failure. But with I Am Athlete, you know, the landscape has so drastically changed and athletes are feeling more and more comfortable sitting down in less traditional spaces right. to talk to people. They want to talk to their peers. They don't want to have to go to ESPN and feel like they're being forced to like say certain things or Fox being forced to say certain things and they can't be themselves. And I liked that I Am Athlete was a place where athletes felt comfortable to like tell their story. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I said, I got into journalism to peel back those layers and they had always seemed so comfortable doing that in like a laid back setting on a couch with guys who played the sport. And I felt like, although I didn't play professionally, my foundation is always to humanize athletes. And I felt like I was a good fit there. So that was the move I ultimately made. So right. it worked out. Yeah, I, I love it, I love it. Um, you know yourself best, so you're gonna have to make those moves for yourself. Yeah. I got a fun question for you right yeah. here. I want you to start bench cut these three NBA players. I okay, cool. All right, I got Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Jalen Brown. Uh-huh. And Devin Booker. Damn, okay. Um, That's exactly how we Oh my God. <laughs> I'm gonna start, ugh. I'm gonna start Devin. Mm -hmm. No. Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna cut Jalen. I'm gonna. I have uh, out of the I three. Know. I'm gonna have to cut Jalen. I'm gonna start Donovan, and I'll bench Booker because Book likes to get hot towards the second half of the game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Yeah. Start Donovan. Bench Booker. I'm sorry. I have to cut Jalen. But it, that's hard. That was a hard one. Yeah. 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 Right now. Kevin Durant. Ah! Like right now, right now? Right, right now. Okay, right now. okay. You ready? Okay. Kevin Durant. Uh-huh. Giannis. Uh-huh. Luka. Well, okay, this is kind of easy because Katie's hurt right now. So okay. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Katie not Oh, he's hurt. not hurt. Not Damn, hurt. okay, okay, okay. Like, this is just like all of them healthy, but like right now, not their, like not Damn. KD, OKC. Okay, like KD right now, you know what I mean? Okay. But, like not hurt. Okay. They're all healthy. Okay. Um... Damn, okay, a healthy, oh, okay. I'm gonna have to start KD. I'm gonna have to bench Giannis. I'm gonna cut Luka. It's respect, but it's so crazy to hear wow. someone say cut Luka. I know, because but out of the yeah, three, it, it is crazy. Giannis but is a freak. Even, but right now, right now you would cut Luka? Out of Giannis, Katie, yeah, I would have no choice. Oh my god, like, yeah. I can't cut Giannis. He's a two-time MVP. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut and Giannis. I can't. I mean, Katie um, is I, a sniper. I, 
hundred percent, but like what Luca's been doing this season, she has been absolutely absurd. Katie is a sniper. 100%. I can't. I can't as a bachelor. You just can't say the word. You just I can't saw say Katie it. drop sixty at Rucker. Yeah, like I can't. Can't, you just can't. I can't do it. it. I can't do it. Respect. That's why I thought I got you when you said right now. I'm like, oh, he's injured. That's easy. I can no, do no, that. No. But no. no respect. I Damn. Like, I like it. I like but it. Luca, that'd be a hard cut. That'd be a right. hard conversation to have. There'd be a couple tears. I'd be like, Luca, I'm sorry. I gotta let you go, man. It's nothing personal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Kind of hard hitting. Not really, uh -huh. okay? As a black woman in the industry, mm -hmm. I'm sure you've went through a lot. Mm -hmm. What is your number one takeaway that you always tell yourself and that you could tell other people? So many things. I feel like the biggest though is the work rewards itself. I think that that's just the concept of energy. You know, what you put out, you get back, whether mm -hmm. good or bad. And I think that at times, and this is for women in general, I feel like in this industry, I feel like at times when you're working, you're working, you're working, and you're not seeing immediate, you know, return. You know, it's disheartening because you're like, okay, I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. Like, when's the break? Like, right. when is it, like, going to come back to me? And I feel like that's a natural reaction when you want something. And I think that when you reach that point, did my earring just fall out? <laughs> yep. and it's okay. We gotta No, but, like, I feel like when you really want something, Sometimes patience is the hardest thing to have. And I'm an extremely yeah. impatient person, like by nature. Right. Like if I have to wait more than five minutes in the Starbucks line, I'm like, oh my God, like it's not even right. worth it. Like I'm just gonna leave. Um, but I think the biggest lesson for me is having that patience. And the work really does reward itself. It doesn't happen immediately. Sometimes it does. Listen, some people get lucky and it's like six months in, they're superstars. Like it mm -hmm. happens like that. So it, it would be, you know, an ignorant thing for me to say that it doesn't. But for most people, that's not how it works. Like right. for most people, it's grinding and grinding and grinding and eventually the work comes back to you, that energy comes back to you. So I would say to always remember the work rewards itself. If you're doing good work, if you're doing honest work and you deal with people respectfully and honestly and you're transparent and you're not like headlight baiting and you have genuine conversations or if you know, you're giving genuine takes, if that's right, like your right, field right. and things like that, it'll come back to you. It's, it's, hard, it's a hard thing to wait for but eventually it does. And also like the biggest thing I also learned is authenticity matters. Like I think when you're coming up, especially women, you're told you have to be so many different things in order to be successful. Like you can't be to this because you're gonna piss this person off. You can't be to that. Wear your hair like this so people right. don't think, oh, yeah. wear less makeup so they don't think you're too cute, but don't right. wear not enough makeup where they think like you're not cute. Right. So many things that you're told you have yeah. to do. And I realized for me when I hit like 25, 26 and I was like, and I would look at old clips of myself and I was like, who is this person? Like, I don't even know who this, like, she doesn't talk like this. She doesn't like mm -hmm. maneuver like this. When you start being authentic, people react more to that because there's already an Aaron Andrews. There's already a Jamal Hill. Right. There's already a Carrie Champion. Right. There's already, you know, a Malika Andrews. But we don't have a you. You don't have a you or a me. And that's what people want. So be authentic and remember the work rewards itself. It'll always come back to you eventually. I love that we ended with that. Great. I got yeah. chills. Like, I was like, that was yeah. great. That was, yeah. that was beautiful. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We just want to say thank you again for of like, coming on the yes. Playmaker Pretty Big Plays podcast. Like, you're so amazing as like Aww. young girls in the industry too. Like we look up yeah. to you so much. Aww, thank you. So it's really awesome that you're here. So Aww. thank you. Thank you. I had fun. Thank y'all for having me.